Unstoppable Success Radio, episode 298. I'm Kelly Roach, and you are listening to Unstoppable Success Radio, the podcast for achievers, believers, dreamers, and doers who want to build a profitable, sustainable business around a life of purpose, fulfillment, freedom, and family. Now let's get down to business. Welcome to Unstoppable Success Radio. I am your host, Kelly Roach, and I am thrilled to have with me here today our special guest of the week, Annie Spano. Annie, welcome to the show. Hey, Kelly. Thank you so much for having me on today. You got it. Let me tell our audience a little bit about you, and then we'll go ahead and dive right in. So Annie is the founder of Style Collective, a platform for fashion and lifestyle influencers to connect, grow, and learn how to be successful bloggers and entrepreneurs. Annie connects women from all over the world through community and empowers them to do what they love through leadership and influencer education. Annie has her BS in mathematics, education, and MBA. She's the host of the Becoming Fearless podcast, and she blogs at AnnieSpano.com. She's also a public speaker, and I'm excited to have you here today, Annie. Yeah, thank you so much for the warm welcome, and I can't wait to have you on my podcast uh, probably around the same time that this goes live. Yeah, absolutely, (laughs) absolutely. So we're going to have some fun here today. So first of all, Annie, dial the clock back for us and um, walk us through, I mean, obviously you have your BS in mathematics, so (laughs) education, Um, so walk us through your career journey and how you ended up um, founding the Style Collective. Sure. So I went to school for mathematics education. And upon graduating, I taught high school math for two years. And my first full year, um, the first part I did like a long term substitute thing. And then I had student teaching before that. So my first full year was the 2008 2009 school year. And that was during the economic crash when that happened with the housing market. So because I was the first teacher in, I I was the last teacher in, I was the first one to be let go when they had budget cuts in the end of 2009 in June. So I had lost my job. I was unemployed. I got married that summer when I was 24. So my husband had also lost his job in New York City at the end of 2009 as well. So we were both newly married, unemployed, living in my mom's upstairs spare bedroom, my mother-in-law's upstairs bedroom. And I took a year to do some soul searching and really figure out what I wanted to do. I loved teaching, but there was a lot of politics with teaching and the administration and the union. And it really wasn't about the kids. It was about so many other things that weren't really important. And I just didn't know what I wanted to do. I thought maybe I wanted to go back to business school. So I had dabbled in studying for the GMAT. I did some math tutoring on the side. I knew that we wanted to move because I didn't want to commute into Manhattan from where we were living in New Jersey. And my husband had actually started a business with one of his professors from Northeastern University out of Boston and was up in that area during the weekdays and commuting from New Jersey while I was trying to figure my life out. So June of 2010, I finally got a job up in the New England area and we relocated to New Hampshire in the southern part right across the Massachusetts border. It's called the Seacoast. It's by the beach. It's really beautiful up there. And I worked for a large company 
up in that area. I started as a project coordinator. They hired me on because they're like, oh, well, I guess if you can do teaching, you can work at a corporate job too. Like if you can handle all those kids and project management will bring you on as a project coordinator. And so they took a chance with me, which I'm so grateful for. Um, I, I was there for eight months as a temp and then they decided to bring me on full time. So this was, uh, 2011. Now I kind of, I ended up being in the product development group where I did product development for all of the gifting, um, gifting needs, seasonal assortments for the retail stores of this company and developed gift boxes, bags, um, you name it, did all of the sourcing and really learned more about the business side of things and decided that I did like business. I liked how it challenged me and it was still rewarding and fulfilling. So I wanted to go back to school and get my MBA. I woke up at 4.30 in the morning each day to study for the GMAT on my own. I didn't have the money to take a course. So I did it myself and took the test and got the score that I needed, went back to business school in 2012 while I worked full time and got my MBA within two years. So I graduated in 2014, May of 2014. And around the time that I graduated, um, things started to change around the office. My boss would pull me aside while I was in the MBA program and tell me that I was not allowed to tell anyone that I was in the MBA program, that people would think it was distracting me, that it wasn't going to add value to my career, that the organization that I was at did not value higher level education, and I shouldn't tell anyone that I was going to school. <laughs> so that was a red flag, number one. Um, after I graduated, he also pulled me aside and said, do you think that you're better than everyone because you have an MBA now? And other people in the office started to treat me differently once I had my MBA as well. His boss, the director of our group, who I refer to as my work bully, um, she would pull me into her office as well, his glass office, and everyone in the floor could hear and see these meetings that she would have with me. And she would tell me that I, I needed to know my place, that there was a hierarchy. I was at the bottom. She was at the top. Just because I had my MBA didn't mean anything and that I needed to know my place. I was never going to grow as long as she was there, that I had nowhere to go in that company. She threatened me saying, are you in? Are you out? Maybe it's time for you to leave. Nobody likes you. And she was very aggressive. She was aggressive towards other women in the workplace, but I didn't start to really experience it to its full potential until after I had graduated from business school. And that experience led me to start my company, to start Style Collective. So I know that's a very long-winded answer, but the details are important because going through this work bully situation created this new value for me where all of a sudden I really valued collaboration and women supporting one another. And if I hadn't have gone through that experience, that terrible experience with the work bully, I wouldn't have had this new value and this new passion for wanting to help other women in the online space. So I also, I got into influencer marketing while I was trying to figure out what to do. And that's how I ended up starting Style Collective. I found another group, like a group of fashion bloggers that had started their blog around the same time as me in 2014, 2015, and for 
formed a community for them, helped them learn the industry, brought everyone together, and then decided I wanted to take my teaching skills, my newly acquired business skills, and my love for helping women and learning this new industry of influencer marketing and create a space for them to collaborate with each other and also learn how to make money in this new and emerging industry. That is awesome. I love your story because I think that whenever we're experiencing pain and chaos and trouble and tragedy in our lives, you know, it's always kind of like, why me? Why is this happening? Um, of course, there's never any answer in the moment, right? Like we never mm-hmm. understand why it's happening and, and it's very painful in the moment. But almost every person that I interview um, that has ha- achieved a high level of success and is doing something really fulfilling in their lives now um, wouldn't be doing that and wouldn't be on the path that they're now on if it weren't for learning from and making decisions because of, you know, that negative experience that led them to to that next step. So I, I think mm-hmm. really there's such a clear, distinct lesson there, Annie, of, you know, not wallowing in the upset of whatever it is you're experiencing, but pulling very specific things from it that you learn about yourself and about mm-hmm. what you want to create and where you want to go and what you want to do because of what you now know about yourself from going through that experience. I really love how you articulated that. I think that's super important for people to hear. Thank you. Yeah. And I think that it's really important. The thing that I learned is that your past doesn't define who you are. You can write your own story. You can start over. I started over many times. This is my third career now and I'm in my early 30s. And you know, the work bully, if I had listened to everything that she had told me and let that bug in that in my ear get me down and keep me down, then I wouldn't be able to do what I do today. I became so depressed and I had no confidence in myself. And if I had let that story continue to live live itself out, then I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. So I think it's really important for people to know, like, even if something terrible has happened to you, it's okay. Take that moment to pause grieve, acknowledge it, feel all of your feelings, and then use that as a growth opportunity to create something new or better for yourself to help others or help yourself feel more fulfilled. Just because something terrible happened to you doesn't mean that it has to define you and the person that you're meant to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, 100%. <laughs> so for me, I'm, I'm definitely curious to understand more about how the style collective works, because it is a new emerging type of business uh, model and industry. So can you give us a little bit of insight, just in terms of the business model itself, and how it works, how you monetize and kind of what, what that structure looks like? Sure. So it is a membership platform for the women. It's $10 a month or $99 a year. And my target audience is millennial women. And I know that they don't have a lot of disposable income. And when I was trying to learn this, this space, I could only find courses that cost hundreds of dollars. And as someone, a woman in her late 20s, I couldn't afford those, especially after having so much debt after business school. So I wanted the price point to be accessible. It's $10 a month, $99 a year. And the things that we have on the website is we have the community aspect, which where you can connect with other members. We actually have a whole map where you can go on and see like in your exact city, 
who else is a member of Style Collective, you can find their email and their Instagram name. We have regional leaders in 25 different cities that organize meetups four times a year. And they're like a workshop style meetup where we give them an agenda and materials to talk about at those meetups. Um, those are some of the highlights of the community aspect. The education, we have e-courses and all kinds of new weekly content that comes out with worksheets and downloads and things to help the women plan and figure out how they can monetize in this space and set goals for themselves. And then the other resources we have specific to the industry, we have a whole directory of brands for influencers that want to partner with brands for sponsorships. They can reach out to 100 plus brands that we have. Um, we have stock photos, affiliate programs that they can utilize, a media kit for sending that out for press and, and brand sponsorships. So all kinds of resources that they need for the industry. That's super exciting. I love that. There's a, a lot there for sure. And yeah. do you find that given that the the collaborative nature of the business itself and the people that are coming to collaborate, do they help you to expand your footprint and really drive a lot of traffic to the business? Or do you guys focus on utilizing social media or advertising? Like what is your mechanism for generating new members for the membership site? Okay. So our biggest uh, growth factor with membership is word of mouth. Mm -hmm. we have created, I've created this community like me and now I have team members. We've created this community almost where people are obsessed with it. I've met so many of the style collective women in person. I've made it a point as part of my role in the company to travel to different cities and meet them face to face. And they love each other. They love the positive community that we've created for influencers. And it really comes down to leadership skills. I wanted so badly to be a leader in the organization that I was working in and I was not able to do that. And so my love for leadership and inspiring others and empowering them and showing them my hustle so that they hustle, it empowers them, inspires them to help other women in the community. So just their love for the message and what we do, they then tell other bloggers about it. And our biggest driver is word of mouth marketing. I haven't spent any money on ads. And in a year and a half, we have 1600 members. It's just been social media marketing, being on Instagram, writing content that is um, really helpful, really valuable to people that they'll spread it and they'll share it and they'll talk about it. Um, and then also another big part of it is storytelling, telling my story of what I overcame and why I do what I do. I hear from a lot of girls when I meet them in person that they feel very inspired by my story and they feel like they don't have to be trapped either. Yeah, no, I love that. And I had a really strong feeling that that sense of community was what was driving your growth. And that's why I asked yeah. the question. I think that's amazing. Mm -hmm. Because I think that um, in the world today and in business, you know, I've been talking about this a lot lately, I, I think that um, delivering value and connectedness and um, really like being in love with your customers and, and just loving serving them and, and making a place where people just want to stay for years and years and years. Like I, I feel like mm -hmm. that's kind of been pushed by the wayside. Um, I think like there's a lot of vanity metrics and a lot of ego in business today. And I think you can get lost in focusing on a lot of the wrong things that aren't actually going to, um, you know, create success for you. And I think it's so, so important, um, to be creating a place where people want to refer people because they have so much trust 
trust and respect and and they realize that putting their name behind your organization will result in good, you know. And I, I think that's mm-hmm. a big thing when someone, you know, is referring someone else to your organization, they're they're putting their name behind it, you know. Yes, definitely. Yeah, I would say like posting consistently, being engaging, providing helpful content, celebrating our members on social media and on our website and in our emails, being inspirational, really showing that as an organization, we care about our members. Like I give out my calendar link, like it's nobody's business. I book calls. I have these girls book calls with me to talk one-on-one if they're having a struggle or they just want to talk. And I, I want, them to feel like I'm accessible. I don't want them to feel like I'm this untouchable person or like a celebrity because I'm not like I'm a regular person like everybody else. We're all people. We're all the same. And I want these girls to feel like I'm on their level because I am. I'm, I'm just a person like they are, but I want them to feel inspired by my message and like they can trust the mission and the company and want to put their name behind it. Like you said, yeah, Yeah. I think that's, that's super important to me. That's awesome. So what would you say have been some of the biggest lessons learned for you since starting the style collective? Oh, biggest lessons learned. Um, I think for me, it was, it's been my first time managing a team and managing people. So the biggest lesson for me was going from building a business to building a company. That's been the hardest part. The first year and a half, it was me. I was a solopreneur working 80, 100 hours a week, no life, no work-life balance, but it's fine. That's what I wanted. I was very driven. I had this fire within me to want to create a space for women and help them and empower them after being suppressed for so many years and not being able to use my talents and my gifts. I felt like I was useless. And so I just had this fire to, to make it happen and grow it as quickly as I could and set these crazy stretch goals for myself. I had this stretch goal to, um, have a thousand members within one year of launch. And I reached that goal, which was, it was crazy. So, Um, The hardest part has been now I have team members. So July is when I brought on a couple of team members. I have a few contractors that work for me about 30 hours a week, and then I have one full-time employee. So now instead of doing all of the work, like I used to come up with the strategy and execute and manage everything. And now it's like I come up with the strategy and I have to trust my team to be able to execute. And how do I not only lead this community of women, but also lead my team members and inspire them to do the work and do a really good job and put in 110%. So that for me has been the biggest learning curve. And I guess maybe like my own personal struggle is making that transition from doing it all myself to now managing my, my business as a company. Yeah, no, that's great. And that's, that's such a great thing for people to hear. We talk about it a lot on the show. And, you know, I, I think focusing on driving growth through an org chart from day one is such an important thing. We talk about it a lot here. And I think, you know, most people, it's, it's an afterthought. Um, and it's a lot of unraveling then to be able to then get a team in place that can support you. But, you know, organization and systems and, you know, having a structure mm-hmm. and focus where you have lots of people that are able to successfully help you build 
build and grow the business. Um, it's certainly mm-hmm. for me, at least it's a lot more fun and a lot more enjoyable. Um, yeah, you know, running yeah. the company versus trying to be the company. Um, yeah, so that's a great yeah. lesson to share. Thank you so much for that, Annie. So I'm sure there's lots of people listening that are super interested in what you're doing and want to learn more about you and the style collective. Where is the best place for them to go to learn more? Yeah, so the website is stylecollective.us, and that's where you can learn more about signing up as an influencer, or if you're a brand who wants to work with influencers, we have a brand membership as well. You can check that out too. Amazing, amazing. And so, Annie, parting words for entrepreneurs working hard to get their first thousand members for their membership site or their new brand or their new business or their growing one, um, what words of wisdom would you leave our Unstoppable Army with here today? I would say to just realize the power of storytelling. I think that it's really important to tell your story in a way that is positive, inspiring, and meaningful so that someone can identify with that. You'll be able to find your tribe of people that believe in what you believe in if you spin your story in a way that inspires them and shows them that they can overcome whatever they're dealing with, the struggle. So if you are overcoming a work bully inspire people with that story. If you're overcoming a divorce and you want to show people that you can be a strong, independent woman and run your own business like a boss, that's a story that so many people will identify with. So I think that in creating differentiation with all of the noise and all of the other online entrepreneurs, I think a really good, inspiring story is can make a huge difference. It can make or break you. Absolutely. Beautifully said. Thank you so much, Annie. Thanks for being a great guest here today. Thanks for everything that you shared. And uh, make sure you guys go ahead and check out all the great work that Annie is doing. Thanks so much for coming on today. Thank you so much for having me, Kelly. You got it. All right. To all of our listeners of Unstoppable Success Radio, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to be here with us today. Make sure that you pass this episode on to one person in your life that you care about, that you know it can make a positive impact for. And if you're not already a part of my private email community, make sure you text in the word IGNITE to 44222 to get the two-minute tips that will change your life each and every week. Thanks so much. And until next time, I want to remind you to dream big, Take action and don't stop until you make it happen. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to Unstoppable Success Radio. And if you're not already a member of my private email community, I want you to text the word IGNITE to 44222. Text the word IGNITE to 44222 to get all the resources, trainings, swipe files, and tips I only share there. If you're not already a member, all you have to do is text IGNITE to 44222 to get in on all the action. Thanks so much.